0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Remember, this is spring cleaning, and just as we do in the natural, you know, every year we spring clean our house. We pull all the dishes out of the cabinets in the kitchen, and we scrub those cabinets on the inside, put the dishes back, wash the walls. I really believe our spiritual life needs some spring cleaning, and all that means is there's just some things we forget or some things that just become too cluttered and we wanna just clean them out. So we thought, let's do a series. Let's pick out some really important things. So we're going to talk about spring cleaning our prayer life today and just give you some incredible principles on the subject of prayer. And it reminds me of a true story, guys. This is a true story. Uh, There was this pastor and a bus driver, and they both died simultaneously, and they ended up at the pearly gates. True story, true story. So they're, they're up there in heaven, they're they're at the pearly gates and Peter greets them. Did you know Peter was over housing? He still is. He's over housing in heaven. So he meets them and the pastor's right behind the bus driver. And Peter speaks to the bus driver first, or and he says to the bus driver, he says, You are a bus driver? He said, Yeah. He goes, Well, you see up there on the hill that big, beautiful mansion? Bus driver goes, Yeah. He says, That's your mansion for eternity. And the bus driver is elated, but Guess what? The pastor's elated because he's thinking, if that's what a bus driver gets. Whoa, I can't. Mine has to be oceanfront, and it has to be amazing, right? So then Peter looks at the pastor, and he says, you were a pastor, right? He goes, yeah, I was a pastor. He said, well, you see down there in the valley, that little shack? That's your mansion for all of eternity. So the pastor is in shock and he says you must have mixed it up that must be the bus driver's mind must be up on the hill because he was so excited he thought if that's what a bus driver gets man my mansion oh my god and so he's arguing with peter he says you had to make a mistake and peter said no i didn't make any mistake he says why would i receive that he says well when you preach people fell asleep when he drove his bus people prayed so that's why he got his man there you go I know if I laugh when I read them, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's, that's fun. Now, that there is funny, right? So um, <laughs> I shared that true story just uh, so you and I uh, would understand prayer is really important. It's such an important part of our lives. And now I'm going to tell you an actual true story. Um, this happened about nine years ago, and I was praying a couple times a week, and then on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, I'm praying, Lord, if anybody comes to our services that would not know Christ. Would you convict them that they are sin-stained and they need a Savior? Would you open their eyes up to Jesus? And then I would also say, pray, Lord, would you lead people, bring people, draw people to our church, and help all of us, myself included, to be bold, to invite people to church? And I'm praying this way probably four times a week. And we were seeing hundreds come to Christ and hundreds come to Christ uh, every year. And it was absolutely amazing. But then I just stopped praying along that line. I kept praying, but I stopped praying about that. I just had such a confidence when I come up here and do an altar call, uh, God's going to use my voice and people are going to respond. And so I stopped praying about it, but I didn't realize I had stopped praying about it. And uh, I saw the numbers go down and I was in shock. They were almost in half and I'm really bothered by it. And I begin to pray and say, God, what's wrong? What's happening? Uh, Why aren't people coming to Christ like they used to? And God didn't answer me right away, but one day I was reading a scripture. We'll look at that scripture in a moment. And I was reading this scripture, and when I saw it, it made sense. And I realized it's because I'm not praying for it. And I began to pray for it again, just pray those same things. And do you know the numbers went right back up? So here at Believers, we have a lot of prayer teams, and they're praying for those things. But I noticed if the senior pastor of a church, the head guy, if he's not praying for that, it's never going to be at the level God would like it to be. But as soon as I changed and I began to pray, it began to happen. And here's something that happens to all of us because as we become more and more aware of this thing called grace and we should be we need to we learn about the grace of God which is this cool thing you and I can't work for things you know and and God gives it to us because we believed and we have an inheritance waiting in heaven because we believed all that's true but sometimes then our conclusion is I don't have to pray God's going to do it anyway but that's not true prayer is something God set up that we need to do he still loves us whether we pray or not but I like to say it this way, and I've said it for years. Prayer is not a fruitless exercise that God gave us to perform to determine whether or not we're faithful. Prayer is the vehicle that releases God to move in the earth. So prayer releases God to do what he wants to do, and that's why you and I want to make sure we're praying and we're praying our hearts out because that's how important prayer is. And so here's, again, our big idea. A life without prayer is a life without God showing up. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. A life without prayer is like a life where God doesn't show up. And I know all of us have probably been disappointed at one time or another where uh, someone was supposed to show up, we were supposed to meet somebody, and then they didn't show up. It's It's very discouraging, and it also is very discouraging when God doesn't show up in our lives, and we don't see God doing the things he wants to do. And God does some things whether we pray or not, right? Um, But prayer just releases him to work at this highest level and show up, and so I wanna encourage us, let's spring clean that prayer life. Let's take it out. Let's use it like we've never used it before. And here's the scripture that I was reading, and I saw it, James 4, 2, and it reads like this you do not have because you do not ask God. And I memorized just about all my scriptures in the King James Bible or from that version, because when I was a young Christian, that's when I just memorized everything. And what does the King James Bible say? You have not because you ask not. And so in in this section of scripture, this whole book, uh, God is writing to a church a group of people that have literally walked away from him. They're not following him with a passion. They still believe Jesus is the way to heaven, but they're not following him with a passion. So he had to also add this. And usually we read this next thing and we throw out verse two, but the next thing says, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures or consume it on your own personal lust. And so, guys, just because that's there and he had to correct them doesn't change verse 2. He still shared verse 2 with them. You have not because you ask not. And that's true in every one of our lives. And I just want to make it real. Um, Guys, if you're having financial problems right now, we're walking through a high inflation time. We're walking through a very difficult time. And if you're struggling with finances, Uh, and you prayed, God, I need you to do something miraculous in my life. I need you to uh, cause my finances to go further. You're budgeting, you're doing everything you know to do, but it just tightened up with inflation. Uh, If you prayed like that, would would that be to consume it on your pleasures? No. Would that be okay? Yeah, you have not because you asked not, so you want to pray. If you're dealing with a relationship problem right now, and you're struggling in a relationship, and you pray and say, God, would you fix my relationship, God, would you make this work? My friend and I are at odds or whatever it is. Uh, My mate and I are at odds. And Lord, fix me if I need fixed and fix them if they need fixed. But I ask you to fix this. Is that asking to consume upon your pleasures? No, that's a good prayer. How about this? If you're dealing with something in your body, and I know as people age, people tell me this all the time. Uh, they share it with me a lot. But as as we get older, some people feel their part-time job is driving to doctor's offices. That's like a part-time job, right? And uh, just always at a doctor's, right, trying to fix this, trying to fix that. And and, and you just might feel, you you know... uh, this just I need some help here. And you pray and say, God heal my body, or God give the doctors wisdom to figure this out. God let this operation work. Is that asking with the wrong motives? No. If if you have an addiction in any area of your life and you want free and you ask God to free you, is that asking with the wrong motives? No. And remember the point is we have not because we ask not. And God is encouraging all of us to pray. So as I was preparing for this lesson, I, I just asked myself, what are two areas that really need spring cleaned? And maybe for some of us, we just have never really even understood these two areas where they're connected with prayer. And so I came up with two, and that's what I want to deal with today because a life without prayer is a life without God showing up. You have not because you ask not. So here's the first area, and, and I like to say it this way. How to pray when we're treated unjustly. Have you ever had anyone treat you unjustly, where justice wasn't done. And if you understand what I'm about to say, guess what you'll be able to do? Two things. One, you'll be able to forgive people. You know how the Bible says forgive? And sometimes it's tough to forgive because I remember as a young Christian, I think, forgive. Lord, if I forgive them, does that mean they won't be held accountable? Because I'd like them to be held accountable. They never apologize. They've never changed their actions. And, And so I came to understand that's not for us to worry about God. God will hold everybody's feet to the fire. He holds all of us accountable. My job's just to forgive them. But I had to understand God's a God of justice, right? And He will bring justice. And then I noticed that if I'm treated unjustly and I let it bother me, I became really bitter. And then I stopped praying. So understanding what we're about to say is going to it's going to spring clean your prayer life and allow you to pray at a higher level. And it's also going to enable you to forgive people. And so think about. The times you've been treated wrong, right? And I'm not being political, you guys know that. I'm, uh, this is true of both sides of the aisle, the Republicans and the Democrats. Have you ever noticed with federal officials and the national level officials? Do you ever notice that they lie sometimes? I know it might shock some of you, but sometimes they say something and they they're just jiving us, right? Have you ever noticed they do some things and are never held accountable? It's like, well, anybody ever go to jail? This was a serious crime, Lord. And, and it can become really frustrating. And there were years ago times in my life where I just became bitter about it. I just was upset and I stopped praying. And I surely couldn't pray for them. It was like, I can't pray for them. I don't even like them. And I'm mad at them. And, 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 and God had to deal with me and just say, you know what, Joe, I'm the God of justice. Sooner or later, justice will be dealt out. And in most cases, it's in eternity, right? Because I pray this all the time. I'm always praying, Lord, uh, if they're they're not good, if their intentions are evil, would you remove them from office and would you put someone in, Lord, that's righteous and holy? And sometimes I feel like God hasn't heard that prayer in forever, right? I I mean, it's just like nothing's changing. Both sides of the aisle have some issues, right? And so, or have you ever had somebody, a real life person, not a politician, but a real life person wrong you? And then they go on with their life and they're blessed and everything's going great. And maybe you went through an ugly divorce and and they just really messed with you and they really hurt you. And it's like their life's going on and they're doing good and they're happy and here you are struggling and so on and so forth. And you feel, does life have any justice? Or somebody else wrongs you? And does life have any justice? And guys, it does. You know how important this was for, for you to understand that Jesus gave an entire parable an entire parable on it so you and I would get the point. And that, that's, that's a lot of time being represented to it. And a parable, in case you don't know what that is, it's a natural story to bring across a spiritual point. And Jesus, that's how he taught. He did it all the time. That's why I tell a lot of stories because stories help us remember. And he did that all the time. Like the parable of the sower, there was a farmer and he sowed seed and someone on this type of ground. That's just a spiritual picture, a parable that helps us understand spiritual principles. A natural picture helps us understand spiritual principles. And he did it here. And this is really cool. So with a parable... Not, not everything is always apples for apples. Like, they, like God is in this parable or a type of God, but it's not exactly how God is, but there's a point he wants to bring across. You're in this parable. And it's not necessarily exactly how we are, but God wants to bring across the point. So here it is, Luke 18, verse one. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So what's the point of this parable Don't stop praying because you're tainted and you're bitter. Don't stop praying because it seems like God's not answering a prayer in this area or that area. Don't give up. So he's encouraging us not to give up. And it's all about being treated unjustly. Listen to verse 2. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now, the judge is not a perfect type of God, but he represents God in this parable. And there was a widow, this would represent us, in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. So this is all about her being treated unjustly and she's going to God and God's not answering her. And she's like, where are you, God? Why, why, why isn't justice happening? So i want to show you how to pray and, and, and get, get that all settled. And then if we understand this, guys, it'll clean up our hearts and, and, and we will be able to pray and we'll be able to forgive. We'll pray with passion. It goes on to say this uh, in verse four. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, verse five, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So God's not worried about us attacking him, right? And I often think, how would she attack him? Throw tomatoes at him or eggs? I don't know. You know, politicians always have a ton of bodyguards around them, so it's like, what's this little widow gonna do, right? But again, This doesn't paint the perfect picture of God. God's not up in heaven saying, you're such a pain in my side, I'm just gonna answer the prayer to get rid of you, right? No, no, it's just showing she was persistent. She wouldn't give up. She was trusting God to do what what, what needed to be done, right? And that's what God's saying about us. So listen as we read on. And, And the Lord said, verse six, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now he's gonna relate it to God. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? What a great question. Will, will God not bring you justice? Will it seem like he just keeps putting you off and he's trying to help us understand justice Will be had. God will hold people's feet to the fire. Most of it will take place in eternity, and you know why most of it will take place in eternity. God loves us. I'm excited. He loves us. He wants to give us a chance to change. Right? Uh, whether it's us, or it's those politicians, or it's the person that wronged you, uh, whoever it is. God wants them to change and he wants them to make it right in their hearts and he wants them to accept Christ. He wants them to grow in Christ. And so he's letting us know God will bring justice, but most of it will come later. And notice what verse eight reads. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, now he's letting us know most of it's in eternity. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So now Jesus brings it back to us. If we're treated unjustly, are we going to allow it to bother us so bad that we become tainted and we stop praying? Are we going to allow it to bother us so bad that we stop forgiving and stop living the life that God's called us to live? So, notice again, will Jesus find faith on the earth when he comes? Or when you and I leave, because some of us are going to go to heaven before he comes. And when we leave this earth, will we leave in faith? And some translations bring it out a little more clearly. And I love the Living Bible it says this, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? And this is what God wants you and I to be doing. He wants us to have faith that God's just. God's going to do what he promised. God will hold people accountable. And you know what else he wants? He wants us to keep praying. So when you're treated unjustly, what's the best thing you can do? God, I want to give this to you. I just trust you're the God of justice. And guys, can you agree? We're not praying, God, hit them with a lightning bolt. God. Just let them have it, God. No, no, we're not asking that. You know, our heart is, God, you're the God of justice. If they don't change, I thank you that justice will come. Lord, it looks like they're getting away with it, but I just trust you, justice will come. You're the God who brings justice. And when you bring it, it will come quickly. Sometimes down here, sometimes in heaven. I give it to you. And then what's Jesus saying? Are you going to be the one that's, praying? Am I going to find you praying and not giving up and you just keep praying? And that's what we need to do when we're treated unjustly. Forgive. You can forgive when you know, God has the justice part, right? I can pray for all the politicians, the ones I like and the ones I don't like. I can pray just like God said to pray because I know, you know what? Someday they're gonna have justice and I don't want them to have that justice. I'd like them to change and accept Christ before that day comes. I'd like them to make it right and do the right thing. And how about the people that wrong us? Lord, I just thank you. You're the God of justice, but man, I just pray for you, Lord God, to change them and open up their hearts. So that's how we pray when we're treated unjustly. I really believe this is the cobwebs, the dust that needs to be cleaned out of our lives till we just clean these babies out. And we make the decision, you know what? I'm gonna keep praying and Jesus is gonna find me whether he takes me home before he comes or he comes. I'm gonna be one of those Christians that are in faith and praying and believing that God is the God who answers prayer. And if I don't see those answers soon enough, I'm still gonna thank God. That's my first point. And, and I, I think it's such an important point. A life without prayer is a life without God showing up. The second one is actually a lot of fun and it goes like this. How to pray when it feels like we can't catch a break. Are there any areas in your life where you just feel like, I can't catch a break? It's like, maybe it's finances. Once I get this one taken care of, another thing breaks down. Another thing happens, and it's over here. No, and, and Lord, I can't catch a break with my finances. Man, I, I just struggle with finances. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of cursed in the area of finances. Or again, it could be your body. I can't catch a break in my body. And we accept these labels in our life. I can't catch a break with relationships. I mean, this is my third marriage, and it's like the same thing keeps happening. Uh, this is another friend. That I'm losing, and the same thing keeps happening. I just can't catch a break when it comes to relationships or any area of our life. And guys, I'm telling you, the first thing we have to do is we have to rip those labels off of our life. And and because if you believe that in your heart, you become a magnet for those things to happen. You just have an attitude that just causes a lot of those things to happen. And I'm not trying to be new age in what I'm saying, this is a biblical principle, and we need to just rip. Those labels off our life that I can't catch a break label right. And I want to tell you a a true story. This one's a true one too. Uh, This happened many years ago. There was a girl in our church, and she was nearing forty. So she was really upset because her biological clock was ticking for having kids, and she just she wanted to find the right man and and be married. And she dated a guy a really long time, and then they broke up. So she's just really, really hurting. And you know, this is a good time to say, some of you are called to be single. Some of you have been married. You're not married now, and you have a call on your life to be single. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. The Bible says you can serve God at a higher level. But many of you are called to get married, right? And, and, and you're like, man, I'd like to find that man. I'd like to find that woman so I can get married. And I was one of those. I thought, well, I'm glad there's people that don't feel called, but I am called to be married, right? And and I need a mate. And you may be one of them. So whichever one, they Both wonderful, they're both good, Uh, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with either one. But this was a girl that in the story, she was somebody that felt like, I want to be married. So she came up to me right after it happened and she said, she, she just, it just started coming out of her mouth. She said, I'm cursed in this area. Uh, I'll never find a man. I'm going to get too old. I'll never have a baby. I'll never be married. Another, another dating relationship didn't work out. And so I just knew right away how to exhort her. So I began to exhort her just out of my Bible knowledge. And I said, you need to stop talking that way. She had to rip, rip the label off her life. Uh, that label that I'll never find the right person, this will never work. I said you need to rip that label off and you need to stop thinking like that and you you need to stop saying that because that's just that's a label that you've accepted and you put on your life and I really believe I, I really believe it oozes out of our, our 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 pores when we think a certain way. And then while I was saying that something happened and this very seldom happens to me and it really scares me when it does. Uh, God gave me what the Bible would call a word of wisdom, one of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, because I'm a deep thinker, never the brightest one in a room, but I am a deep thinker, it's hard. It's like you're walking, you're stepping out on a little limb, and it's like, God, I don't want to say this. But he gave me something for her. I saw it inside and I knew exactly what to say. I heard I heard the Spirit of God say some things to me, and I knew he wanted me to speak it to her, and I didn't want to speak it. So I closed my eyes and I began to speak it over her. So I'm telling her, you need to rip the label off. And then I said this, uh, do you know your husband is coming? And uh He's not even a Christian yet. I told her, like, that's like scary for me to say, right? What if I'm wrong, right? And then I said, he's living in another state. I, I don't. I'm just seeing all this at the moment. I said, he's living in another state. He's going to accept Christ soon, and then God's going to lead him back here. Your paths are going to cross, and and he's coming soon, and and so I'm all done, and I open my eyes, and I'm like. I hope she's just not laughing at me or something. But she was crying tears of joys. And I thought, well, at least it ministered to her. I hope it happens, you know. And 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 (laughs) that's just how my mind works. I'm just too deep a thinker, you know. And I walked away in shame, like, oh, God, I hope that works, you know. And woke up the other day. Usually a good night's sleep gets rid of those things, but it took a couple nights to get rid of that one. And I'm just feeling so bad about it. But about a year later, about a year later, she comes up to me, and she has a guy next to her, and they were dating in secret, so I didn't know they were dating. Uh, and, and, but I had met him already. And she brings him up to me, and she says, remember what you spoke over me by the Holy Spirit? I said, yeah. She says, here's the answer. I said, yeah. And I'm hoping it's somewhat the way I said it. And uh, she says, yeah. She said, I, I got my calendar out. You know when you spoke that? I said, yeah. She said, he wasn't a Christian yet. And she said, just uh, shortly after, a month or so after, he accepted Christ. Then God dealt with him to move back here. and God dealt with him to come to believers, a lot of great churches, but God dealt with him to come to believers. And then he joined the same ministry that I was in, and he asked me out, and we have been secretly dating. And then she showed me a ring, and she says, we're engaged now. And I'm like, whoa, I got one right. You know, I was like so excited. Uh, I share that for this reason. You don't have to have a word to take the labels off, right? God would have taken the labels off no matter what. But I think she was so down and she had such a strong label, God wanted to say something encouraging to her, so he did. But whether that ever happens in your life or not, you need to pull the labels off. And there is a Bible story that helps us understand that. And it's a really cool Bible story. And all of us have probably heard it. A really cool book came out, I don't know, 20 years ago on this subject, and it was so popular. And we were all praying the prayer of Jabez, right? And I just wanna bring some things out about this. And here's our first verse, First Chronicles 4.9. Jabez was more honorable, really important, than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, which literally means sorrow maker, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So guys, I, I, first of all, I started to wonder, how would we translate this today? Because that's not part of our vocabulary today, sorrow maker. So I'm like, God, how would we translate it today? And I had two words come to me. Uh, one's a phrase and one's a word. Uh, one word was bummer, like, you know, bummer. That, that was his name, bummer. And the other one was pain in the dupa. We all know what that means. I cleaned it up, all right? Pain in the dupa. And and, uh, and, and that would be the equivalent of this Hebrew word. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. So when you and I read this story, here's what we think. Oh, his name was Jabez. That's a pretty cool name. I will think I'll name my kids Jabez because that is a cool name. That's a cool name to have, right? Uh, But when you know what it actually meant. So when people called his name, he didn't hear Jabez. He heard pain in the dupa. Bummer. I want you to think about that. So when his daddy would call him for dinner, hey, hey, pain in the dupa, come on in and eat with us. That's how it was. Hey, bummer, come on in. Everybody knew that the word literally meant that, so they all knew what his, what his daddy was saying. The thing that got, got me the most is I thought about his first day of school. You know how they do roll call? He's a first grader, let's say, and the teacher says, is Johnny here? And Johnny goes, I'm here, yeah. Mary, are you here? Mary's here. Anna, you here? Yeah, Anna's here. Bobby, you here? Yeah. And then she looks and she goes, Pain in the dupa, are you here? And he's like, sheep is, yeah, I'm here. And then you know how kids are at that age. They're all laughing and chuckling. The playground, they had to make fun of him from day one. And he went through his whole life with this hitting him. You know, bummer, pain in the dupa, right? That's what Jabez means. Whole life, and he had accepted it. And guys, it said at the first part of this verse, he was more honorable than his brothers. So we know that he had a passion for God, he lived a good life, he was honest, And yet his life was a mess. And we know it's a mess as we read the next verse, because he had a label. And guess what? If people called you that your entire life, even your mama and daddy, uh, you would see yourself that way. And in the next verse we're going to watch, he decided, I'm pulling this label off. I don't accept that I'm a pain in the dupa. I don't accept that I'm a bummer. I don't accept that I'm the sorrow maker. I am not a sorrow maker. And that's why the next verse is so important. Uh, He came to a place where he says, I don't accept this anymore, and he decided to pray a prayer. We call it the prayer of Jabez, and here's how it goes. Verse 10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. He's had enough. He's an older guy now. He cries out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. He's saying, I'm tired of being a pain in the dupa, right? And listen to this. Here's what's important. And God granted him his request. And so just think about what happened. He said, I'm ripping this label off, and some of you need to rip some labels off. And he said, I don't believe that's who I am. As a matter of fact, God, I don't accept that anymore. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking for your blessing to be on my life. I'm tired of pain. Here's what I'm asking, Lord. Increase my territory. Or, Lord, increase my influence, Lord. And then he says, here's what I'm asking let your hand be upon me. That's the hand of God's grace, God's blessing. And he says, and keep me from harm, because this guy had a bummer of a life, right? And so that I will be free from pain. And the Lord granted him his request. And here's my big question. What labels have you accepted? maybe not as bad as him, maybe mama didn't give you that name, right? But what labels in your life have you accepted that you truly believe you can't catch a break in that area of your life? And I want to encourage you this weekend to take that off because that will stop you from praying. It will stop your prayer life. And those labels need to be ripped off out of our life. And guys, I want to show you one more thing, and then we're going to pray. But this has to do with something Jesus talked about. Remember when Jesus said, bless those that curse you? When he said that to Jewish disciples, it blew their gaskets. And here's why it blew their gaskets. They knew what the blessing prayer was. And they're like, are you serious? And then in the book of Peter, the Bible says that you and I should bless people we don't like. Bless those that wrong us. And again, if you were Jewish, it blew your minds. And here's why it blew your minds. But it's a way of putting God's label on your life. And so listen to number 623. Tell Aaron, this is God speaking to Aaron through Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites, say to them. So this is Aaron, the high priest, remember there was the Levitical tribe, the Levites, they did all the work in the temple. But then Aaron, who was also Moses' brother, uh, he was the high priest and then all his kids would be future high priests. So he's saying, as the high priest, I want you to speak something over Israel And this is really important. And this is the Israel that was disobedient. This is the Israel that rebelled. This is the Israel that, just like us, no perfect people allowed. They had all kind of issues. And God said, I want you to speak this over them. God wanted to put his label and pull their label off. So listen to what he, he, he gave. This is the blessing. When God says, bless those that curse you, here's what he wants us to do. And it's verse 24, and it goes on. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is that wonderful song we began to sing at the beginning of COVID that Carrie Job began to sing. It's a beautiful song. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you. Pastor Ryan, our children's pastor here at the Warren campus, he talked about what this phrase means, and it's referring to God smiling on us, and he did a great job, first lesson on washing off, cleaning up joy in our lives. And I just want you to think about that. Can we stop for a second? Do you know that when you wake up in the morning, God's not saying, oh, no, they're up again? (laughs) Do you know every time you wake up, God smiles and says, they're up? And some of you can't accept that, but that's true. God loves you that much, and he wants to shine his face on you, and he does. He's always smiling. It goes on to read, be gracious to you. May God be gracious. May he grace every area of your life. The Lord turn his face towards you. That's his favor and give you peace. So that's what God wanted the high priest to speak over Israel. This is what Jesus said, we should speak over each other, speak over ourselves. And listen to verse 27. So they they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So God is so concerned. His name, putting his names on the Israelites is his label. And he's saying, they believe all kinds of things about themselves. Other people believe all kinds of things about them. But I want my label put on them. And what's my label? I'm the God that's smiling on them. I'm the God that blesses them. I'm the God that puts my favor on them and my hand is upon their life, my hand of blessing, my hand of freedom, my hand of grace. And he says, I want you to speak that over the children of Israel. Can I say something to all of us right now over in Borman, all the guys at TCI Correctional, Facility, everybody online, everybody here in Warren, how cool would it be if you began to pray this prayer, the prayer of Jabez, and you just began to pray it and you began to believe and speak these things over yourself? It will change your very attitude. It will bring joy into your life, it will bring all kinds of grace onto your life. And what are you doing? You're putting God's label. On your life. And so, how do we pray when we feel we can't catch a break? Hey, we, we begin to believe what God says about us. Uh, you can catch a break in your finances. You can catch a break in relationships. You can catch a break in, 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 in your uh, body and, and, and with your addictions. You can catch a break. There can be freedom. There can be life. But you need to stop believing the lie and you need to rip that label off and you need to begin to speak what God's spoken into your life. I want to ask you a question over in Boardman, here in Warren. Can we say thank you, God? I think it's a good time. Online, guys at TCI, thank you, God. I don't receive that label anymore in my life. Oh, no, no, I don't receive that at all. Uh, Remember what it says in the book of Psalms. Truly, uh, God's blessing and God's favor will follow us all the days of our life. And so it's coming upon you, the blessings of God. But you need to change how you see yourself and begin to speak what God has said. So good time to pray. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes in Boardman, TCI, online, here in the room? This is a very important thing because this is when we say, Lord, I'm going to spring clean. Lord, I'm going to wash any bitterness out of me because I was treated unjustly. And Lord, I'm going to just trust you in that area and you're going to find me in faith and praying the rest of the days of my life. I'm not allowing this bitterness to dirty me and keep me down. And Lord, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If there's a label, you're saying, Lord, I pull this label off my life and I'm going to put your name on my life, and I'm going to begin to bless me. Lord, I'm going to pull the labels off my kids, those labels that I give them. Maybe I don't say it to them, but I just kind of have an attitude. They're always going to be this way. They're always going to do that. They're never going to change. Lord, I'm going to rip that label off, and I'm going to speak the blessings of God over my kids. Or how about our parents? Like, they'll never change, and they're always going to be that way. And maybe they never will, but let's rip that label off, guys, and let's begin to speak the blessings over those people in our lives that we feel like, man, will they ever change? And how about that person that you rub shoulders with that gets on your nerves? Hey, how about speaking the blessings and putting God's label on them? And then finally, how about yourself? How about making a decision? I can catch a break because God is my God. He's my father. And I'm going to begin to speak the blessings of God on my life. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Guys, I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer because I believe God's really ministering to some people right now in this area. And while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you're listening and you're not even sure of your eternity. So guys, I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you're a member of a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you walked in agnostic or an atheist. I'm not asking you if you're listening as an agnostic or an atheist. Here's what I'm asking. What have you done with Jesus? Because only God can open our eyes up to Jesus. I can't force him on you. Nobody can. But do you know that Jesus is God the Son who always existed, who came into an earthly body? And you know why he came? He came to die. Do you know he's the God that died for you and for all of your sins? And God raised him up out of the grave after three days, three nights, and he is alive. And he has forgiven your sins and the sins of the entire world. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them can't work your way. just have to believe. And if you're listening right now and you say, you know what? My eyes are open. I see it. Would you pray with us right now? The rest of us are going to help you. So guys, help me say this. But if you're praying it for the first time, simply mean it and say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. You died for my sins and the whole world. I accept you this day as my Savior. And I make a decision to become one of your disciples and to follow you. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, miracles happened. You probably didn't feel anything, but all your sins were washed away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. That's pretty cool. God's your Father. Heaven's your future destination. Really, really cool, right? And guess what else? If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says God Himself and all of heaven are celebrating. Do you know why? That's how you become one of God's kids. And we all celebrate when we have a new child born into our families.